You never had no faith, son. You young people can't remember what old-time values was. Joan Sampson, The Auctioneer. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm Stephanie, and today I'm joined by my friend Alex. You may know her as Hey Little Thrifter Online, and we're going to chat about some throwback titles written by women. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore. It's super easy. I went on there. I found my local bookstore, Riverstone Books, and it lets you choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers. And if you're having trouble deciding what to read, don't worry, I got you covered. There is a Books in the Freezer playlist on there where I have curated a list of some audiobooks that we have recommended on the show in case you are looking for something to read, something freezer worthy. So check it out. I will link it in the show notes for this episode. And listeners of Books in the Freezer can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Just go to Libro.fm. L-I-B-R-O dot F-M and enter code FREEZERBOOK. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Thank you, Libro FM. Hey, Alex, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, um, I think you and Olive are the only people that have been on the show that I have actually hung out with in real life. Well, A, I'm glad to be in that small group. Um, But yeah, I think it's cool that people are dotted around so much, yet we can still connect via the internet. Yeah, it is crazy how that is. So do you want to tell the story of how we got to do this episode? (laughs) I, I seem to remember... A previous episode you did a while ago and you mentioned you'd read a John Saul novel. I don't think you enjoyed it. No. And I got in touch just to say, hey, if you ever wanted to do an episode on, you know, other books of that era, then, you know, let me know. And uh, hopefully we can find you some better titles (laughs) than that one. Yeah, I think that was just a chat episode I did with Rachel, and I think I did just disparage that whole era. I'm like, just everything from the 70s and 80s was bad. (laughs) (laughs) I have not had a great experience with it, and you were like, hey, like, don't write it all off. Exactly. Hopefully we can, yeah, set that record straight. I think we will. So thank you for calling me out and making (laughs) me give this another shot. Tell us about your... YouTube channel? Oh yeah, so I have a booktube channel called Hey Little Thrifter and yes, the name was inspired by the opening line of White Wedding by Billy Idol. Um, (laughs) I mostly talk about horror fiction and within that I mainly focus on vintage horror from the 1970s, 80s and 90s. 
I also have an ongoing series on my channel called Nightmare Queens where I talk about vintage horror fiction written by women. I really wanted to highlight female writers from that era because other than a few like Shirley Jackson and Anne Rice, the big names people think of are still primarily men. So I just wanted to be able to showcase these authors and their novels that I've enjoyed and hopefully give people some recommendations for horror written by women. I do read some more recent horror too, but it's not go-to for the most part. And you have quite the impressive backdrop. Oh, thank you. Those are my point horror books. So that was my childhood, basically. They were the kind of horror books that came out when I was a wee young thing. And yeah, I'm still obsessed with them. So, And they make for for great artwork. Oh, I do. I love them. I didn't really get into point horror. I was much more of a Fear Street gal. Yeah, I think Fear Street, either it didn't cross my path or what, I don't know. But I never read any when I was a kid. But I have picked up a couple up, like in thrift stores in recent years. And yeah, they seem to be a lot of fun too. I mean, you can't go wrong with R.L. Stein, really. Yeah. Yeah, they're in that same vein. And then on your Instagram, you post a lot of your kind of horror paperbacks. Yes, I try to. Um, I think whatever I'm either reading at the time or looking forward to reading or new to me books that I've recently added to my collection. Um, yeah, I do like to share that on Instagram. Instagram's a pretty fun place and it's nice to connect with other people that share the love of vintage horror. Oh yeah, I love your feed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so you mentioned you tend to like older horror books. What is the appeal of them for you? Ah, uh, good question. And I think it's hard to pinpoint an answer, but it's definitely a combination of a few things. And one of them, I think, is nostalgia. So I was born in the 80s, so I missed out on the 70s, but I experienced the 80s as a kid. And I still have a really strong love for that era, um, a big nostalgia for it. And I've always thought the 80s would be a great decade to experience as an adult. But <laughs> as soon as I'm not going to be able to do that, I can still connect with it and kind of experience it through the pop culture of that era so yeah the movies the books the music the fashion I love it all and that's definitely one draw to me for books from that era I think another reason is that there really is a ton of great horror from that time period and there are always going to be certain books like The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby etc that kind of stand the test of time and won't be forgotten but there are plenty of other just as brilliant novels that seem to have been forgotten over the years so I just want to try to keep them from being forgotten in whatever small, small way I can. Yeah I think another reason uh, the pull for me is the covers. Uh, yeah I'm not gonna lie <laughs> that's probably a big part of it. They really don't make them like they used to and there's some absolutely incredible cover art and typography featured on books from that era. You've brought a lot of books onto my radar, so I think you've definitely done your job. Awesome. That is good to hear. Within that. <laughs> and I mean, with your 
YouTube channel and like Instagram handle, you do a lot of thrift store shopping. So how do you go about picking up these gems in there? Yeah, it's a, it's a finely honed skill. I guess just to clarify, I am originally from the UK, but I now live in the US. So that's why I'm going to be talking about thrift stores um, rather than charity shops. But yeah, a lot of the vintage fiction I do find are out in the wild. So thrift stores, library book sales, secondhand bookshops. And I'd say there are two key factors to seeking out vintage horror fiction. One would be effort and one would be patience. If you go to one thrift store and expect to leave with like an armful of Ruby Jean Jensen's, you're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> you know, you have to go to every thrift store, you have to go regularly, you have to go to every library book sale you can find, and you will leave empty-handed a lot of the time. But yeah, making that effort and being patient with it, when you do find a gem of a book, it makes all of those fruitless trips worthwhile. Part of the fun for me is the treasure hunt aspect of it. And yeah, when you see a familiar title or author in amongst all those other books, it's so exciting. And I feel like I can now spot one from 10 paces. <laughs> so that's a good skill to have. And there are also going to be specific titles that I want to hunt down that I'm not necessarily going to stumble upon in person. So I do track down certain titles online. I use places like eBay and Abe Books. And there's also a site called bookfinder.com, which is really helpful for like comparing prices. So yeah, I think the effort and patience are still key, even if you're shopping online, because you can sometimes have to sift through a lot to find what you're looking for. And yeah, you might have to wait until you find a book at a price that suits you, but it's all worth it when you get that book in your hands. I'm sure. I need to go to a library book sale. They're the best. I'm actually really sad because I guess these past couple of months would have been library book sale here in season here in Pittsburgh, yeah. but alas, it is not happening this year. But yeah, I think I've been really surprised in some of the books I have stumbled upon in the wild. And, you know, I'll grab it and be looking around like, is anyone else seeing this? Look at what this thing, this thing I just found. <laughs> it's amazing. And Everyone else is obviously focused on finding their own treasures. <laughs> so I need to go with you. Let's do it. Because you seem to know where all the good places are. So we'll have awesome. to do that. So back to our love for the 70s. What are some good movies from that era? Ooh, there are definitely... There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a few to choose from. Um, there's definitely two that are like in my you know favorites of all time. And that would be Halloween from 1978 and Suspiria from 1977. They will always be, I think, in my favourites list. I love them so much and they just never get old. You can watch them over and over again and thoroughly enjoy them. When did you watch Suspiria for the first time? I think that was probably sometime in my 20s. It wasn't one that I watched, you know, when I was younger and getting into horror. I had seen the name pop up, you know, mm -hmm. in my kind of horror research when I was a teenager, but never actually stumbled upon it and you know back in the day you couldn't just go online and stream something <laughs> that wasn't even an option so um yeah. so yeah I think it was a bit later probably in my 20s that I first saw that but I yeah immediately fell in love 
It's very colorful. Super colorful. Technicolorful. How about you? I love Carrie. I think that's probably the one I've seen the most. Like that for me has the most rewatch value. I don't know why. I love that movie so much. I watched it all the time in class. Nice. I love that one too. That's definitely up there as well. I remember seeing that at a teenage sleepover and yeah, we were all terrified but loving it. So good. That's a very good teen sleepover. Yeah. And I think that was the age when, you know, we hadn't seen a ton of horror films at that point. So it could still be surprising. And yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. when a hand pops up out of nowhere and you're not expecting it, then yeah, teenage girls are going to (laughs) scream. I saw The Omen a few years ago, like the original Omen, obviously. I mean, we're talking about the 70s and talking about the original. Uh, And I like was blown away by it. It's amazing. I love that too. I loved it so much. It's super atmospheric. And yeah, yeah, just this feeling of dread throughout the whole thing. It's so well done. And I mean, I feel like we have to mention at least The Exorcist. Yeah, classic <laughs> yeah. for sure. And of course, based on a novel. So it's, it's topical. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Another of my favorites from that era is uh, an early 70s one called Blood on Satan's Claw, which is uh, directed mm-hmm. by Piers Haggard. It's a British horror film and falls into the folk horror category. So you know, somewhat similar in line to like The Wicker Man, but I don't think it's nearly as well known. Uh, but that was one I saw in my younger years and it definitely had an impact on me. So that's still a favourite of mine. And another one I think deserving of mention is Don't Look Now, uh, which is another British director, funnily enough, and based on a short story by Daphne du Maurier. So yeah, um, and that one's a fantastic film, a great story as well. Um, and it's interesting to see the differences, but again, another super atmospheric story and dealing with grief of, you know, the death of a, a child and yeah, the performances are brilliant and it's just such an intriguing story. I need to read that. I need to read it and then watch it. That's one like, I've been meaning to pick up her short story collection and it's, you know, like Don't Look Now and other stories. Yeah, I I think I read the same collection. So um, I think my favorite of the collection was Don't Look Now, but the other ones are well worth reading too. She has written some good ones because she also wrote The Birds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think a lot of people know that. And Rebecca, another yeah, yeah, good one. Go Daphne du Maurier. (laughs) She's pretty influential. All right, well, should we talk about some books? Let's so i will say all of mine since i don't quite have the same luck you have at picking up uh gems in the wild these are all like valancourt books that are that have been reprinted and kind of brought back into the mainstream in a way so these were all like reprints that i bought from valancourt which i think listeners if you are interested in these kinds of books definitely check them out they're a great publisher and they're working with grady hendrix uh to do kind of like a paperbacks from hell and so that's what these are these are from their like paperbacks from hell collection yeah it's great that there are companies like that reissuing these older titles and especially for people who thought of a secondhand book grosses them out maybe you know as much as I love secondhand books I realize it's not everyone's cup of tea so don't dismiss the books we're going to talk about because I'm sure you can get your hands on a brand spanking new copy if you want yes and I I love some of their 
covers for some of them they have the original artwork and some of them they've done like new cover artwork for but anyway to get to the books <laughs> uh the first one i'm going to talk about is when darkness loves us by elizabeth angstrom this was published in 1985 this is a collection of two novellas um, so the first one is about a newlywed woman her name is sally ann and she kind of accidentally gets trapped underground on her own property uh and she kind of stays there. <laughs> uh, so she learns to adapt to her new situation. And there are some dark implications that come with that. Obviously, it's a novella. I can't go into like too much about what happens. You have to read it. Um, the second story is about a woman named Martha Mann. And everyone in her town knows her as kind of the mentally disabled woman without a nose. And she lives by herself in this farmhouse. But during the story, she finds out that she wasn't always this way and she unlocks uh something inside her i will say for this one i'm giving a trigger warning for language there was a lot of throwing around of the r word uh because this was the 80s they did not have the most uh, sensitive language i mean the characters that say it aren't like likable <laughs> people that are throwing it around uh, but it is there <laughs> just letting you know so my thoughts for this i thought it was very pulpy and very fun like, I, I definitely couldn't put this one down. This was one that I read through, like, and I just had to know what was going to happen. Uh, I will say for a rating, I'm going to put it in the fridge. Both of these stories are, like I said, dark, pulpy, fun. And then they kind of take a turn in the final act for like a shocking twist <laughs> in a way that is a little jarring and, you know, unsettling I wouldn't say for everyone so I'm putting it in the fridge and Alex I know I think you've read all of the books that I've picked so I think so yes um, and <laughs> yeah I really enjoyed this one too I really liked her writing and I thought both stories were excellent but it's the first one that really like did it for me <laughs> and was memorable like just that concept of being trapped underground is horrifying in itself and yeah she goes through some stuff she does. Well, I remember being like a few pages in and I'm like, wait, like she's going to, is this book just going to take place here? <laughs> like, is this, is this what this book is going to be? It's pretty wild. Yeah. Very wild. So that is When Darkness Loves Us by Elizabeth Angstrom. Um, before I get into my first pick, I'm just going to mention there's a, another a novel by the same author called Black Ambrosia, which I read which is also worth recommending. It's a vampire novel, but not your typical vampire novel. It kind of plays on the, could she really be a vampire or is it all in her head scenario? And it's really, really good. So yeah, highly recommend that one too. I love that one. And that one's getting, a, or has gotten or is getting a reprint. So. That already got a reprint. So yeah, it is no. out there in the world. <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> I will link it in the show notes. Awesome. So my first pick is The House Next Door by Anne River Siddons from 1978. This is a unique take on the haunted house subgenre. It's set in a wealthy suburb where everyone knows each other and people are actually friends with their neighbours. And the story is told from the perspective of a couple in their 30s. There is an awkwardly shaped lot of land next door to their house that has always been vacant until a hotshot architect comes along, designs a modern house for this young couple who are going to live there. And 
that's where the strange things start to happen. Things start to affect these people and their relationships with each other and the whole dynamic of the neighbourhood. It's a very slow burn type of story and quite character driven. And even though it's somewhat slow in nature, there are some really great intense scenes. It's really well written. And it's interesting that I think generally when we think of haunted house stories, we think of like a creepy old mansion on the edge of town and it's filled with cobwebs and maybe someone was murdered there years ago. But in the house next door, it's a new house and it's set in this lovely neighbourhood surrounded by all these wealthy people and it's also told from the perspective of the neighbours rather than solely taking place within the house in question. So I think even if you think you don't like haunted house stories, I would still recommend this one. And I would rate this as definitely Fridge with some freezer moments. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a good one. I was going to ask you about this one because this was one that I've seen like when I'm looking for books to add to my TBR. But the cover that shows up for me is white and it's kind of got this like very peaceful looking like watercolor of a house in the background. And I'm like, that just is, like, is that a horror novel or is this like a like a romance? Like, I don't know. The cover art really threw me off. Yeah, I think there are definitely a few different editions of that. And some of them are a bit more gearing towards the yeah pulpy horror angle. And then some are a little more sedate. So I think I know the one you're talking about. And it totally doesn't feel like that would be a horror novel. And I think the author, that's the only horror novel she wrote. She's otherwise generally known for like, just kind of like Southern fiction, you know, just kind of literature. Yeah. So, um, but it she... It had that feel. Yeah. So I'm sure some housewives got scared when they picked that one up <laughs> unwittingly. <laughs> so that's The House Next Door by Anne River Siddons. Okay, so I am adding that to my TBR then. See, I was worried about it because I wasn't sure. <laughs> You're in for a treat. Oh, God. Uh, well, a lot of these were your suggestions and you were spot on. So Awesome. <laughs> That's good to hear. So the next book that I read was The Auctioneer by Joan Sampson. This was published in 1975. And this takes place in a small New England town in the 70s. And the townspeople kind of look wistfully back on the good old days and, you know, there's talks of them being very threatened by the hippies and like the crime they hear about in the big city. And there's a man named Pearlie Dunsmore who starts doing auctions to fund their kind of low grade local police force. And the locals are, you know, at first really excited about this idea. They kind of like this quaint return to old times and they find themselves donating to these auctions. But as Pearlie's hold on the town grows and power grows, things take a turn for the sinister as the Moore family, that's the one at the center of this book, find themselves unable to pay the price. So I will say out of all the books that I read for this episode, this was my favorite. There was just so much stuff going on that I thought was very prescient for the current moment in time we are at. Just I think people who are worried that their way of life is threatened, so they cling on to someone who is promising them that he can help them 
go back to the way things were. And I think, honestly, someone at some point in this novel says they're going to make America great again. (laughs) And yeah, things unfortunately take a turn for the worse and they find that maybe they shouldn't have been so quick to trust this person. This was, like I said, such a good novel. I will say it's a little on the more slower literary side. Like I said, when Darkness Loves Us is like, I could not put it down. This is a lot more of a slow burn. I think I'm honestly putting it in the freezer just for the eeriness, history repeating itself aspect of it. I just would read some passages and just get chills. Just get chills because these are things that I hear people say now. (laughs) Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this one too. And you're absolutely right with how, yeah, history seems to be repeating itself, which is frightening in and of itself. And yeah, I thought this one was really well written and it honestly filled me with so much anxiety as I was reading it, just as things kept progressing and I just didn't know where the story was going to go. And yeah, oh yeah, it was just so good. Oh man. So that is The Auctioneer by Joan Sampson. And I think this one is, uh, I've seen Valancourt is like going to put this one out or like they're making kind of a big thing about it. Yeah, I think it, I think they had already put it out in a reissue, but then they're going to do a specific paperbacks from hell edition as well. Yeah, so yeah, that's what it is. plenty of options. And my next pick is Wait and See by Ruby Jean Jensen from 1986. So the beginning of this story is set in the 1950s and we meet a teenage girl called Charlene who lives on a ranch farm with her family. She is killed right at the beginning of the book and her body is chained underwater in the local river. No one found her and everyone assumed she had just run away. The story then picks up in the present day, aka the 80s, (laughs) and Charlene's mother still lives on the ranch and some relatives in the process of moving in with her. One of the children is exploring the area with a local kid And they find the skeleton of Charlene and they unwittingly release it from its chains and she is now free to have her revenge. So if you couldn't tell, this one is a ton of fun. Her writing is really easy to get into and her characters are well written. We learn about them as individuals as well as as a family. And there is some conflict between members of, of the family there is some good suspense and creepy moments and some excellent descriptions of the skeleton. So if you're looking for a fun and entertaining page turner, then definitely recommend this one. I think this one might be more of a room temperature, but leaning towards the fridge, maybe the fridge door is open. There are some chilly moments for sure. It's just fun with an evil skeleton, huh? You can't go wrong with an evil skeleton, let's face it. And Ruby Jean Jensen's novels are all being reprinted at the moment. Um, They've been out of print for years and there is a publisher that is putting them out. I think they're doing one a month. So I'm not certain if Wait and See has come out yet, but if not yet, I'm sure it will be soon. So that was Wait and See by Ruby Jean Jensen. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. You'll have to tell me. I'll put it in the show notes. People can check out that publisher. Definitely. Yeah, there's a whole website dedicated to it. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. 
Okay, so my last pick is The Tribe by Barry Wood. But when it opens up, you learn that there was, at one of these concentration camps, one of the specific bunkers, all of the Jews that were held captive there survived but like not only survived like they were very healthy they were very well fed you know like I said they were in great health none of them were sick and they were actually in better health than their Nazi captors the one man that was there to set them free was kind of just confused about what was going on and there's kind of this gray dust everywhere (laughs) um these are all things that come together in the novel uh but when you get to the opening of the novel, there is a rabbi's son who is murdered by a street gang in New York. And so you get this crime procedural aspect as you're following the detective who is looking into this. It was his childhood friend and he's kind of following the clues when out of nowhere, the entire gang that murdered the rabbi's son ends up brutally murdered themselves like the room is a bloodbath and everyone there is covered in gray dust and that's all he has to go on there's more to it but that's really where I'm gonna stop and that's all I'm gonna say about this book I thought this was very interesting if you kind of know anything about Jewish folklore you kind of will know where this novel is going you'll know what the like supernatural entity monster at the core of it is so I thought it was an interesting modern take on Jewish folklore I will always love a procedural so I love the kind of investigation angle of it and I thought it was a good look at communities having to stick together to survive hostile environments Um, I think that's kind of with the title the tribe you have these like holocaust survivors that stick together And you also, with the detective, he is a black man and you kind of have what his family has to do to stick together and kind of the racial hostilities he and his family are facing in the 80s and how they stick together to survive this landscape. I will say this is room temperature. It reads a little more like a thriller with a supernatural element. Like the bigger part of it is the procedural part of it and you kind of follow different characters so for a long stretch you follow the rabbi's son's widow for a big chunk of the book um so you're kind of following these different characters around as you're trying to figure out what this force is and what it is doing and where did it come from so that was the tribe by barry wood it's an interesting one and it seems to be a pretty unique subgenre within (laughs) horror which is cool Um, I read this such a long time ago, it must be over 10 years ago, so unfortunately I don't remember it too well, but I did read another of her novels more recently, one called Doll's Eyes, which was kind of like that horror-thriller combo, um, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, So yeah, that's another one to throw on the pile. (laughs) Is that also like Jewish horror? No, it is more of a psychic who witnesses kind of through the eyes of a killer, Um, And so there's this kind of cat and mouse angle where she is trying to use what information she has seen through his eyes to help the police catch him. But the killer is also aware that someone has been watching him. So it's kind of they're both trying to get to the other first. It's good. Interesting. It's pretty dark. And my last pick is The Cypher by Kathy Koger from 1991. This is about Nicholas and his friend slash 
sometimes girlfriend, Nakota. One day they find something interesting in a storage room in the apartment building that Nicholas lives in. It's a hole and they call it the fun hole and they become obsessed with it. They experiment with it, lowering various items into the hole and each time the item comes out transformed somehow. At one point they put a video camera in there and then they watch the results. I won't say too much more about the plot, but the story develops into a mix of both psychological horror and body horror. It's pretty amazing and I think her writing style is really unique. It's both poetic and gritty. It's very evocative. I absolutely fell in love with it. I think her characters are really well written and realistic. The story is dark and unsettling and it goes to some places that are so unique and strange. And yeah, I think it's definitely an experience and one that I highly recommend. It has been out of print for years, but this one is getting a reissue, I believe in September of this year, which is really awesome news. And yeah, I really hope more people read it. And I would say that is a freezer book for sure. Wow. Okay. So the only thing I knew about this was like Laura mentioned it on our episode about families or households we wouldn't want to be quarantined in. So I just kind of knew about the fun hole, but I didn't know what kind of had a whole body horror angle to it. It is all going on in this perfect mixture of craziness. That's yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's the one, the book, that if I could only recommend one, this would be the one. Nice. Okay, that is going on my TBR. I'll have to wait for it when it come, when it gets reissued. Yeah, well worth seeking out. And yeah, that was The Cypher by Kathy Koja. Yeah. She had a short story collection come out, like, this year? Last yes. Year? Uh, I think it was just earlier this year. And although I'm lost with my days completely, like what yeah. even month is it anymore? Who knows? But know. uh, yeah, Velocities was a short story collection of hers. And that was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. There was one story in particular that was like my favorite of the bunch. And I mean, that's saying a lot because most of them were my, also my favorites. But uh, there's one called Baby, which absolutely blew my mind. So good. Yeah. Do you have a chilling obsession? I do. I thought I would keep it vintage for the episode, and I went with a film called The Majorettes from 1987, which I just watched fairly recently. And it was filmed right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where we both live, in case people weren't already clear on that. (laughs) It's uh, directed by Bill Hinsman and based on a novel by John Russo, who also wrote the screenplay. And they both have a connection with George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, which was also a Pittsburgh film. So that's kind of interesting. And there's also a small part played by the actor in Night of the Living Dead, who has the iconic line, they're coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) So great cameo from him. And yeah, basically it's about a masked killer picking off the majorettes from a local high school. So it's a slasher, but there's also a couple of side stories going on at the same time. So it's a little all over the place, but, you know, it keeps it interesting. There's a pervy janitor at the school (laughs) (laughs) who is like, 
ogling these lovely majorette ladies. And his mother, a German lady called Helga, is a live-in caregiver for the grandmother of one of the majorettes. And there's also a gang of drug dealers, because why not? Yeah. So that part of the story develops into, like, an action film situation. Yeah, basically it's all going on, and it's a really fun, low-budget 80s horror film. I think as long as you go into it knowing that, you'll mm-hmm. have fun with it. That sounds really fun. Yeah, very entertaining. Uh, mine is not Vantage. It's a anthology movie from 2015 called Southbound and I had seen it like it's been on Shutter for a while and I always like kind of clicked by it and I'm like I was always like a little bit interested in it but I finally had the time to sit down and watch it and I actually really enjoyed it anthology movies for me are very hit or miss yeah agree just because you know you have so many different filmmakers coming together and sometimes like they just don't gel well together I don't I find them kind of jarring going from one story to the other but I will say if this film did anything well it was the transitions they were seamless like the way one story just went into the next story I thought was genius but it takes place on this stretch of highway and you're following these four kind of four and a half stories of people on this highway and I the only thing I'll say is there's kind of a theme of penance but like yeah it opens up with like these two guys and they are running away from something and they're just on this lonely stretch of desert highway and they stop at this gas station and they are being chased by something and I don't know there was just a lot of really good stories I will say my favorite one I can't remember what it was called but it's the one that takes place in the hospital that by far hands down was my favorite segment of all of them I thought it was great so I was really pleasantly surprised because with it being an anthology film I had my hopes done really low <laughs> <laughs> but um I thought it was done really well so that is southbound that is on shutter and on amazon prime Nice. Yeah, I remember seeing that a few years ago and quite enjoying it. Um, It's funny that you mentioned the hospital one, because when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, I got a visual straight away. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I agree. Anthology films can definitely be a bit hit or miss, but they're usually worth checking out. Yeah, they're fun, like in their own way. So I, I did enjoy this one. And last segment that I thought I would add after I asked this question on Instagram Someone tweeted this and I like posted their tweet. So this is not my original idea that I thought of by myself, but I thought it was really fun to see everyone's answers. So I thought I would ask people what their answers were. So Alex, what would your final girl song be? This for listeners is like, this is a slasher movie. You're at the end. You're the final girl standing. Like, what is your song? You have a weapon and you are just like ready to go covered in blood. Yeah, I'm there. I'm in the moment. And mine is going to be Oh Bondage, Up Yours by X-Ray Specs, which is an absolute banger of a punk song. And yeah, they're British as well, fun fact, and female fronted. So it totally ties in with this episode. And uh, yeah, it's just such a great song. I could totally see that being played at at the climax of some kind of bloodbath. Nice. So this is like you're hunting people down with this. Exactly. And I think you can read the lyrics as feminist as well, which adds another level of badass to it. 
which is always cool. All right. So I will start like a Spotify playlist and keep track of everyone's answers on there if people want to go follow that playlist. So that is awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Where can people find you online? Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. I am on YouTube, Hey Little Thrifter. I'm also on Instagram, Hey Little Thrifter. I do have a Twitter, which is Hey Little Thrifter, but I'm very rarely on Twitter. That's just a platform that I've never really got to grips with. So don't expect me to see me too frequently on there. And I'm on Goodreads as well. I review everything I read. Um, So yeah, I think I'm Alex, Hey Little Thrifter on there. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash books in the freezer. You can send me an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. So there you'll find a list of all the books that were mentioned in this episode. And like I said, all previous episodes. The podcast is on Patreon as Books in the Freezer. And we have a one, three, and five dollar level for Patreon supporters, but you do not have to spend any money to support the podcast. One way to do that is to leave us a review on a podcast app um, like Apple Podcast, and even just a one sentence review really helps us out with visibility. Another way to help us out is to just post about it on social media and tell your friends about it. I mean, word of mouth is huge for small indie podcasts like this. So, Thank you to all of you that do that every week. Um, It's a huge help and an encouragement. So thank you. I do see that. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. You can find me on Instagram at that's what she read and that's that's with two A's or on YouTube as that's what she read. And join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Thank you.